Well, welcome back to another episode of Rethink Real Estate. I had the distinct pleasure today of interviewing Kathy and Brenna. Uh, well, Kathy Clark and Brenna Van Hugenston. Now, they have been a member of the Harcourts family for a long time now. And from the very onset of when we brought auction over to North America, they were very big supporters of it. Today we go through, and, and it's an actual pleasure to do this episode. It was actually really one of my favorite episodes to go through the interview. You kind of forget some of the stories that you've been through if it's been a prolonged period of time. But they've got one of the they've got two of the most exciting auctions that we've ever had, and two of the toughest auctions that we've ever had. Two properties in Laguna Beach, one in Rockledge, and the other one at Pearl. And one is the original homestead of Laguna Beach, the very first property in Laguna Beach itself. And the other one was this property hanging over the cliff on Laguna. Laguna Beach right on the ocean itself that both of these transactions were incredibly difficult but really sort of is what we cut our teeth on on the coast from a luxury standpoint and Kathy and Brenna both handled those with absolute grace but they were really difficult and we talk about how auction really got them in the door and how the process helped along the way. The other part, we talk about the networking that Kathy and Brenna do. They have a great deal of networking groups that then they give a great deal of referral to and how to break into those groups. We talk about the, dyna- the dynamic between mother and daughter in the relationship of them in real estate. Um, we talk a lot about also the other part of social media and bringing that into the equation of your business and how they've transformed their business in order to do so and the benefits of that. And then also the journey into office ownership as well. A really great episode. I know it's a little bit of a longer one, but it's very much worthwhile from a story perspective, but also how auctioners help evolve their business. It's not all of their business, but it's helped evolve their business and compete into the luxury marketplaces and break into there. It's a great episode, guys. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rethink Real Estate. Today is going to be a little bit of fun. Um, Two ladies that I uh, I absolutely enjoy their company in every way, shape, and form. And, you know, we can be a little casual today, I think, because the experiences that I've had with these two on listings, <laughs> I don't know that there's... there's, there's You're there's, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome indeed. Indeed. Kathy, Brenna, welcome. Thanks, Thank you ben. so much. We're happy to be here with you. That's we great. appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, I couldn't think of any two better people to explain the luxury element of real estate, but not to mention as well the luxury or auction element of real estate. But then the curveballs that you're thrown at anything that's, you know, five, six, seven, eight million dollars plus. Um, you know, the 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 lack of smoothness in that trend in those transactions. Um, was something that I certainly wanted to talk to you guys about today. So just for a little bit of context for those that are listening is that um, we've got two properties uh, that certainly come to mind. Kathy and Brenner have done many, 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 many auctions with us, but there's two properties that come to mind that I wanted to talk to both of these ladies about today. Um, Kathy, I'd say that you sort of were the lead on Rockledge. Uh, yes. Fortunately for Brenna, I was the one being tortured on that particular transaction. Now, not to say that you weren't behind the scenes working pretty hard on Pearl as well, but Brenna, you were the lead on Pearl. 
I was, yes. And I really wasn't behind the scenes doing much on parole at she all. She was providing counsel Only to my emotional mental support, breakdowns. But that but, was all. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get into relationship between the two of you and how that operates later on in the podcast. But folks, just for just for a little bit of context is that these two auctions that we had are probably some pretty critical auctions for our company on the coast of Orange County along the in Southern California. The first property was a property being Rockledge, which is in Laguna Beach. Um, and this property essentially was on a rock ledge. Um, and it's an interesting street to say the least. But then the other one was actually the original homestead, Brenner, of Laguna Beach. Is that right, Pearl? Yes. First home ever built in Laguna Beach. Um, and the client I worked with ended up purchasing it and rebuilding within the confines of remaining um, historical in Laguna Beach. Great. I'm going to ask you both a question and, and both answer, answer honestly, of course, <laughs> is that what what is your relationship and what has been your relationship with auction well to me it's a complete differentiator i think auction is an absolutely brilliant concept and uh to me it's the single biggest point for us as agents to stand out with a completely unique selling proposition and what we found is really intelligent sellers really like the process. They get it. Um, I mean, I was born into um, auction. I, this was the first real estate company I, I worked with when I got my license. So uh, I didn't have any of those preconceived notions as to how real estate should be sold when I first started learning about the way auction runs. So from the get, it's been, yeah, this makes more sense to me. Uh, and seeing the results that, um, you know, I saw agents getting when I first got into it and, and us getting as a partnership, it just became more and more clear to me, this is the way to go. You know what, Kathy, this is a pure product of us brainwashing her. This is amazing. Yes. <laughs> well, that. Very, but, very much so. But the, the truth is one of our early auctions was a seller in La Jolla who had been told by the two top agents in La Jolla that they should never use auction. It's horrible it'll damage the property and he was a high-end a ceo of a large uh, hospitality chain and he pushed off giving me a meeting his wife had scheduled it and he finally gave me a zoom call at the last minute actually skype back then and at the end of five minutes which was almost my time he said my motto in business is i'd rather compete than negotiate and it sounds like this is the way to do that and gave us the listing and we got two five and he called me the day that we closed and he said so are we done i said yeah we've recorded david he said great i have some phone calls to make and he called back those two agents in la jolla who said you'll never get more than two one to let them know they were absolutely wrong and we did it in eight days do you know what that's you know i'm gonna Chris, 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 for those that are listening, we need to cut that up and that needs to be a short, please. Okay. That's an incredible promotion. But I, I guess that, I guess, Kathy, uh, whilst Brenna, Brenna, you, you were born into auction. You understand it very deeply. You know, it's, it's funny how ultimately the notion of what auction is to somebody that comes into it. It's like, oh, well, you know, that's just part of what I offer. Um, whereas Kathy, you had pretty vast experience in real estate prior to to, to understanding auction. And one of the things I have to give credit to is that there's a great deal of people that we speak to, whether it's on this podcast or on a daily basis that have done traditional real estate before, but they can't seem to really grasp the concept of auction all that well because of their traditional habits that they have forged. How did you sort of let go a little bit and bring it into the equation? 
Well, I had a background in marketing as well. And I was always looking for something that was a differentiator. And while I've been in real estate, I mean, I bought my first piece of property in Southern California in 1980. I was two when I did that. But <laughs> um, as a result, I've been in real estate um, one way or another through mortgage or other things for years and years and years. But suddenly I, I wanted to go into real estate per se and people said to me, well, what makes you different? Because, you know, we know all the people in town, we know all the other brokerages and all the folks and all the people we know, know all those same folks. So what was going to make us different? And to me, auction was the absolute brilliant piece that would allow us to do it entirely different and have a reason for people to give us an opportunity. And that's where it started. And, um, and that's what we've really embraced. We believe wholeheartedly in auction. Um, I, I just think it, it is the only thing that makes sense again to intelligent, pragmatic sellers, particularly, um, they're really a pleasure to work with on it. Sometimes you don't have that. So it makes a little more challenging, but in context of our, our partnership, first and foremost, that's how we see the opportunity. And then if we can't get them to understand it for one reason or another, then we go traditional. I know I'm going a little bit off script, um, but but you guys have just listed a property um, uh, that I actually commented on on social media um, uh, just recently. Beautiful property. Whereabouts is that exactly? It's uh, right on the side of Newport Boulevard, so right across from Hogue Hospital. Okay, great. Okay, so that's Newport Beach. Um, the the Can you discuss, because I know that you probably would have presented auction to that seller and they didn't want to do that. Can you just discuss quickly why that is in those situations? Why does somebody not understand it? Or, or did you present it or didn't you present it? Can you just give me your working around that? We were referred in mm-hmm. by a, a very good friend who has known us for, well, she's, she's known Brenna since she grew up with was, her kids. Yeah, very, very long relationship. And as a result of that relationship, it was a little precarious. We were up against every one of her friends or some of the top agents in Orange County. And one of the reasons that she selected us was because we didn't have a relationship with her prior. She doesn't live in the home. It's an investment for her. Um, And we competed in one against, I, 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 I suspect, two of the top agents in Newport that anybody would know the names of. Both men, by the way. Right. Um, but it, it, for her, we were already fighting so many unstated things that it did not feel like introducing auction at that point was going to give us the opportunity. However, if we don't get what she wants for the home, then to me, that's the time we go back and we have that conversation, but she had so many people giving her opinions. I was really concerned to give her any margin for not choosing us. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's a really good point because I want to make sure that people understand here is that auction is not all of your business. You guys do plenty and have done lots and lots of your business traditionally. It's a tool to be used in the appropriate situation. And that's where I want to kind of segue into these two properties that we were discussing earlier. Um, I want to talk about Rockledge first of all, but just doing it in chronological order, um, is that, is I guess that Kathy, how did you get the opportunity for Rockledge? And then what's the background story on the whole Rockledge situation? And then and then how did we how did we end up at auction? Because that client, very, very difficult client, um, you know, a very difficult property and a very emotionally connected property. Could you just give a bit of a synopsis of all that? 
So we were referred in by somebody that we had helped sell their home in Three Arch Bay. She was friends with this woman from church, knew she had been struggling. She'd been through three agents and said that she really should talk to us. So that's how we initially had the opportunity. The home had been on the market for several years, um, starting at a very, very high price because it in fact was one home built in the 50s with a vacant lot and only a garage up on the street. So it was actually two parcels and 160 running feet of bluff top oceanfront, Hmm. which is a great thing, but it's also Coastal Commission and Laguna Beach Building Department. It's all of those elements. So for everyone who looked at it, some of the biggest names in real estate in Orange County looked at that property along with some celebrities. And for one reason or another, the owner would not allow it to be staged she had more stuffed animals than any 70 year old. It was a time capsule. <laughs> really was. The, the yeah. furniture was there from the eighties and she was very proud of it all. So everything that, it, that the agents that we all tried to do, she wasn't open to listening to. And I really just had staying powder power. I think that's why we lasted as long as we did, because um, one thing after another happened, her husband had purchased the home. He was in the entertainment business He had been very, very frugal, but had purchased the home and subsequently purchased the additional lot. He had passed away in the home six years before I met her. And she was was very emotionally attached, Mm. conflicted with family issues as well. As messy as it gets in terms of all the factors at play. So when I described who our ideal client is for auction, she is the polar opposite of that ideal client. And all the way through the process, it was pretty brutal because of that. But she had already not succeeded at the original list price she'd gone on the market at. What was the original list price again? She was originally on the market at roughly fifteen million. Yep. Now, 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 I think Kathy, just to talk through the auction process here, because as far as auctions goes, if you would if you were to paint a picture of a perfect auction, this here was basically a train wreck uh, in comparison. But, but, but realistically, I want to, I want people to understand what it allowed us to do, in the sense of that. We went in there and we got a bidding to start from price that was, what, remind me again. It was 9995000 Now, the property ended up not selling for much more than that. And, and realistically is that what it allowed us to do is bring the marketplace to horror, allow the property to sit at a price point where, like you said, the emotional element that was involved that would have never happened in a traditional sale if we didn't provide the logic of auction in that situation. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. It probably would still be on the market, to be honest. Um, I suspect it would be. When you're talking about that's not our ideal client for an auction listing, however, you're not getting a sale and you're not getting it done without auction with a client like that. Yeah. You're just not. Yeah. And, and that's what the other three agents, all of which are renowned agents in Orange County, all of them came away from was there was just nothing to do. There was no way to, to make it happen. And that's why when we came on the scene and we explained the process and we re-explained it and re-explained it ad nauseum, um, eventually, finally, we got someone in who had the appetite, understood what it was going to take. And finally, she was at a point where she was willing to let go of it. Yeah. And, and that's what it finally took. I, 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 I think I count like just in memory, like there's got to be at least 
five or seven times at least where you've called me and gone, it's done. It just won't happen. She's a, she's crazy essentially. And I've said the same. And then I've called you probably 10 times going, Kathy, it's done. It's never going to happen. She's crazy. <laughs> it's like, you know, like it was, it was an emotional jungle gym for the both of us, but, but ultimately also behind the scenes is that we had to do what we had to do in order to get the opportunity to put something in front of her because until we put something in front of her, it was just so far apart from reality that it never would have, it never would have happened. So again, it, it was a, it was a great transaction. And I think that, you know, as far as it's concerned, when it comes to the tenacity that is needed to do a transaction like that is that I certainly think that you displayed that, but also the other thing is that it sets the benchmark so high for other situations that it makes other situations look easy. However, it's a breeze. However, enter Pearl. Oh, dun dun dun! Oh my gosh, <laughs> this thing was this thing. You got like again. Do you know how people say that they're they're a magnet for 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 tough situations? Oh, I'm saying that. Oh, no, no, we no. have gone through this, my friend. We have discussed <laughs> this ad nauseum as to how on earth we ended up making this happen. It almost felt like a little bit of a rite of passage. It's like, okay, you went through yours, I went through mine. Anything that comes our way, we're good. We're good. We're gonna figure out. And the truth is, we learned so, so much. much from both of those transactions. It was like advanced real estate. People who'd been in the business 30 years said, I've never seen something like that yeah. on both of those transactions. And so while um, I, I'd love to get those two and a half years back in my life because I aged badly during that time, um, I would say that that there was a lot of value that we we both got absolutely out of um, everything from client management to unacceptable client behavior to um, basic facts we needed to know and, and contractual things that we hadn't been aware of. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think that, I think that the, the, the thing that from an outsider looking in, and I want to get into Pearl quickly, Brenna with you, but from an outsider looking in, if you were to take those two and a half years of doing those two deals, whilst you were doing deals in the middle of, of, of essentially you were selling property in the, in essentially in the midst of all of it anyway, but really after that two and a half years, you guys pretty, pretty well exploded in your business. So I think that it sort of maybe it set the tone um, from a perspective of one, it gave you some really good track record. But second to that is that not not to say you didn't have it beforehand, but it, you know those properties are pretty big sort of milestone properties within a marketplace um, that 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 come with the advantage of saying that they were on the marketplace for years beforehand with with every single one of the really so called top agents in all of Orange County um, and quite possibly Southern California. And being able to do those deals, but I think that there was an explosion after that within your business that essentially might have it might have set the tone from a from an exhaustion perspective that nothing could even compare. However, Brenna, talk to me about how the opportunity came about for Pearl. Where did it come from, and how did you get it? So Pearl came out of I was at a networking event. Um, I was actually on Zoom at that time, and uh, I had spoken about auction very briefly in front of another agent who sells a lot of luxury properties in Laguna Beach. Uh, she had the listing on Pearl and had not been able to sell it, had it listed um, at a higher price than we all knew it was going to sell for, uh, and she her listing was running out. So she came, she had her client mention something about trying out an auction. Uh, and in an effort to, you know, hold on to the deal after the expiration, she brought 
me in to run the auction process uh, for the client. So that's where that came from. So, so give me the original list price that she had on the property. It was on for years. It had started around eight and I think it was down to six, the high sixes by the time we came around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and can you give a bit of a lay of that property? You know, like Kathy said that hers was on the bluff and, and what, but your guys property, I guess, give me a little bit of, give everyone a bit of an understanding because when we say the original homestead, the first home that was ever built in Laguna beach, like that's a pretty significant thing. Yes. It's very significant. So um, you obviously have massive views of the water. You're one row of homes away from the sand. Um, however, the original investment was made into this property in order to rebuild and essentially flip it. So what ended up happening was there was a larger parcel, um, larger for most parcels in that area of Laguna Beach. Uh, you had the original home in the front next to the ocean, and then you had uh, the investors who were rebuilding create a, a build an entirely new home from the ground up behind it. Mm. Um, the intention was to be able to have one person, the owner live maybe in the front home and then lease out the back home. Um, but it was logistically somewhat of a nightmare for anyone trying to purchase a home, assuming the square footage would be a combined square footage of those two properties, as opposed to two separate homes on one parcel and much together in Laguna beach. And then let's, let's uh, do a bit of a salt bay and just sprinkle a little bit extra on top. It comes what? with what's called the mills act. Now, most of the time that, 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 that brings in a great deal of investors because you don't have to pay as much property tax on the property and all of that type of stuff. But in this case, it just complicated the situation to no end. Yes. It was a huge piece. I mean, once we got to the point of reaching somewhat of an acceptable number in terms of the offer, the Mills Act um, transfer of ownership was a huge negotiating factor between two very contentious, you know, buyer and seller. Um, so just the historical aspects of the home, to put it simply, made this a complete mess um, to sell and to have both parties happy with their return after that sale. Because there was a lot of different dynamics in the relationships of the sellers and everything like that. There's no question that that is the case in a lot of these very high-end properties, certainly from an investment perspective. But but where do we get to, like with the auction process itself, I know we had some really good bidding on the property at live auction. We had some really good outcomes. But you know, when the seller's not ready to accept that or that they probably needed to see that with their own two eyes in order to actually get to where they ultimately did. It was about five months. Um, and granted, when you compare that to the years that it had been listed, um, that was a great result. But yes, it um, one of the more uh, unique characters I've dealt with in uh, my lifetime. So uh, the situation had a lot to it. There were several investors that were involved in the beginning. There was a lot of fallout over the massive amount of time it took to build the property and get plans approved um, with the city and, and all of those pieces. So a lot of time had, had eclipsed since the beginning. Um, a lot of people wanted their amount out of the home and a lot of people thought that they would have gotten a lot more, um, you know, from the get their assumption of what they would walk away with was not what they were getting. So mm. getting an agreement in place of what that final number would be was, um, virtually impossible. Yeah. So, uh, th there were all those factors at play. Um, we were able to start the bidding at, I believe it was 3 million. Um, and very quickly after had offers in the fours, 
Um, but we ended up selling at 5.6. And from the beginning, um, the expectation from on my end was that it would sell around 5.5. So um, that result in about five months, I think, in relation to the, just the carry cost alone of having it listed for years um, was, uh, I think, a great result for the auction. Oh, there's no question at all. And the thing that the thing that I want people to understand here is that you know Brenna used this 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 auction process as a tool to educate the client. You basically had to do an auction. We basically got a great result, and then they didn't agree to that great result. And we had to auction it again. They had to yeah. go through seeing it with their own two eyes multiple times in order to actually really understand that that is what you are going to get. That's the beauty of the process. That's mm. exactly what we use it for is to educate. Yep. So when someone is here and um, they're not getting anywhere because of that limiting belief, which is what they see the home to be valued at, um, it's our job to, if we need to, run the auction again in order to get to that point where they now have enough data to set their emotions aside and rationally understand that the market has spoken. Yeah. In both of these situations, Rockledge and Pearl, you were dealing with massive egos. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is what my home is worth. This is what I need for it. And that's what you get in luxury. That is a it's not uncommon. Piece of it. Uh, guys, you 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 do some pretty high end transactions. You deal with some very high clientele. You guys would agree with me when you know we run a relatively large company, and you know I I don't know of like there's very few times that me as the CEO of the company does not know about a transaction that we do that's over $5 million. And when I say don't, doesn't know, don't know about a particular situation or something going wrong or, or something that needs an addressment or something that needs to bring, you know, something into the equation, anything over $5 million usually has some type of hair on it. It doesn't typically just happen. And that I don't care where you are. I don't care whether you're in LA in the Hollywood Hills where the average sale price is $12, 15000000 million. And I don't care whether you're down in, you know, or out in, you know, the desert where a five or six or a $10 million transaction is very rare. It still is the factor that there is something that is so difficult in those transactions, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. That's no question. Now, the final part and the final question and the final bit that I want to spend on these two properties, I want to ask you both, do you think, let's say you reverse time and you take these properties to auction and it's the first thing that ever happens on those properties. So with your sellers, they call you and say, Kathy Brenner, come over. I want you to list these properties. They've never been listed before. And, I, and then you go in and then you pitch auction. Do you think we would have got the result or do you think that they needed to see the process of elimination of being traditional for a certain period of time? I, I do think that. I think that if you'd gone straight to that, there's no way that either of them, either party and that there were a lot of parties in both of our <laughs> transactions, no one would have been ready to accept it. I think they have to struggle through. That's why I think it takes the really unusual individual who is pragmatic in the first place. I mean, we're dealing with somebody right now on a transaction and he says, I don't ever get emotionally attached to, to real estate. I just don't. I listen to what someone's willing to pay and that's what the house is worth. Mm. That's a pretty rare. Unless you've got someone who is firmly rooted in reality uh, from the get, you need those, those months or years being listed traditionally in order to be able to um, have someone learn time and time again until it hurts so bad that they have to rethink it. Um, 
and there are those people out there, just like the people we talked about in La Jolla, who are firmly rooted in reality and are pragmatic and look at it like the investment that it is. Those people are rare. But one of the things we always try to get people to do is look at the numbers. Mm. Because it really, I understand there's an emotional attachment, but for most people, perhaps not the luxury space, but in a lot of spaces, this is their biggest single asset. So to not look at it from a financial perspective about what the cost is, what's the carry cost, what's it going to cost me to wait? If you're not looking at that as agents, I think that's part of our obligation. I think we have to push them to actually examine that. And although I think as agents, we're pushed to um, meet people's emotions and validate them in a sense, what we have found, especially in transactions like the ones that we've been discussing, those numbers actually truly understanding point A to point B um, in terms of their finances is pretty much the only antidote to the overly emotional client. Um, That is how you get through that wall of, yeah, no, no, that, or no, the the wall of the delusions of grandeur that ultimately real estate is for people. Like the thing that we had to go through, we have to go through in many, many cases is that some people think that the real estate transaction should be like them winning the lottery. And, you know, unfortunately, there's no logic in any of that. And when you bring logic into the equation, then you have an opportunity to actually get them to reality. But final question that I want to sort of run with on auction um, is, um, you both are very capable at the auction process from a process perspective once it's listed and going through and making sure that you're handling the inquiry that comes in from agents and buyers correctly and not giving away price point because it ruins the transaction or ruins the process. And then obviously educating and and communicating with your sellers all the way through, all the way down to pitching it in the very first degree. You guys are very self-sustainable. So what role does the auction team play in your business, whether it's in the beginning or in the end, what role does the auction team play in your business? Well, in terms of our roles, the truth is she's so much better at running auctions than I am. It's not even funny. She's pragmatic about it. She doesn't get emotional. She doesn't get hooked into the seller's feelings. She does a far better job of doing that. So she runs far more of the auction once we get into that process. But but yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. The auction team is hugely involved um, from the from the beginning. So when we're thinking about meeting with a seller, we are getting on the phone with Jason and saying, when can you sit down? Um, they, I introduce him as our, he's our expert negotiator. Um, and people love the fact that they get three people working day in and day out to get them the best price and the best terms in the shortest period of time. So um, we, they're intimately involved from courting and um, you know discussing the process with the client. They're also hugely involved when it comes time to getting on the phone and making sure we are squeezing and extracting every last offer sent out of the interested parties, um, cultivating a successful auction day, again, intimately involved. So from day one, they're involved um, and they're working side by side with us to make sure that the client um, is seeing the best result possible. So invaluable to us. So it sort of brings up a, the the next part of our conversation, guys, is the dynamic between mother and daughter. I know that at the end of the day, many people, you know, uh, I've seen many teams where mother and daughter have not worked out very well. <laughs> I've been on phone calls with many people where mother and daughter are not getting along at the time. And it it it, it creates some tension within that business. It creates some distraction. Can you tell me how it came to pass, how you how you guys ended up together in real estate? And then let's talk about the dynamic of how it all works. 
Well, when she was she was young, we would drive streets. And by you, my mother was in real estate. Okay. She was an RN and then she moved into real estate. So when she was young, we drive house houses and say, we love that house. And when we remodel, we're going to do this to our house. And so there was always been a love of it. And she grew up listening to mortgages in the backseat of the car because I'd be carpooling Mom, Mom with someplace. the Bluetooth chip in her ear. Yeah, you know, the flashing thing that games. was about this big. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, there was there was always kind of that connection. But when I went into the real estate side, she was in college and she came home and she said, I, I want to join you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. She thought I wanted like a summer job. I'm like, Didn't, no, no, no. She turned me down. She this, was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go bartend. Said, this is a long play. <laughs> no, thank you. And then a couple of months later, I went, were you serious? And she said, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. And, and so it wasn't, I see a lot of parents trying to drag their kids into the family business. I had no agenda about that. I'm thrilled. Kathy, can, can I ask though, Kathy, can I ask though, it's funny how we all placate to the factor of that. If you ask somebody, hey, do you want your kids to be in real estate or whatever? A lot of them go, absolutely not. There's no absolute, no way, no chance. There's a lot of people that will say that. What was your feeling around Brenna getting into real estate? Um, well, she was bartending at the time. She was managing people. I went in to see her one night and she had this massive bottle opener in the back pocket of her jeans. And I'm like, well, what happens if somebody misbehaves? She goes, I just pop them in the forehead with this. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, so you're fit for real estate. Um, but, you know, she had the personality for it. She had the resilience for it. I just wasn't sure she'd love it. Mm. And as a parent, I wanted my kids to do things they loved. Mm. So I didn't, it, it's not about what I thought or, you know, everybody can make it their own experience. It doesn't have to be the way I do it. And, She's working really hard not to do it exactly like I do it because she's better at taking care of herself. I'm a little too compulsive and she'll sit and say, you know what? I, I, I can't do it anymore tonight. I got to, I got to shut down. Yeah. And I think she's better at doing those facets, but I think um, she's incredibly talented and she's better at all sorts of things than I am. So we're actually, it's very much a partnership. I know very often people make the assumption that I'm the mother and I'm mentoring her. And there's some areas that I am, but the truth is we wouldn't have the practice we have if she didn't have the skills she has. Yeah, no, that's right. And I get to see you guys both from, not only from an agency perspective is that and we'll talk a little bit about your journey shortly around you guys opening up your own real estate office here shortly. And we've been a part of that. And it's, it's interesting though, like you, you, you would make an assumption, Kathy, that you come to you um, because you're it's you're the mum and you're going to make the decision. But you guys are very very much a partnership in every way, shape, and form. You both make the decisions equally. You both have equal opinions. But some people would some people would struggle with that. Brenna, how do you how how do you feel the how do you feel the dynamic fits? Because I, again, I can say this because it's not off limits as as we've already discussed. Brenna said to me before the phone call, "Oh no, nothing's off limits." I'm like, I wasn't going to ask. I was just going to ask anyway. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I guess but I I guess that. You guys did go through a bit of bit of tension there at one point in in your in your relationship early on getting into the business. Yeah. But can you yeah. can you walk us through that and how it's all because right because obviously over the last couple of years you guys have been like when I say yin and yang just works beautifully like it really does. Um, so so how did you get there and 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 what were the things you had to realize? We're very proud of where we are, and that's partly because of what we went through. Um, 
to put it, I guess, to summarize something that's impossible to summarize, you know, we have always been incredibly close and to put kind of an end on what you were saying earlier. Thank you. Also, part of the reason I wanted to join her and most of the reason I wanted to join her was because there's no one I'd rather be more like. Um, so an opportunity to get to learn from this human being was like, what, what, what else would I be doing? Um, so I've admired her for my entire life and the chance to get to learn from her and what I've seen her kick ass doing my whole childhood. Like what else could you ask for? Um, Absolutely. That's really, that's, 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 that's really nice to hear. (laughs) It is. I'm sure she's like holding back tears. I bet she's a crier this one. Um, so in relation to our dynamic getting into the business, I, I think there was a lot of stress going on. Um, we were coming into the business and trying to uh, kind of reform our financial lives. And um, there, you know, we all know this business can be tough. You can go months without a paycheck. And and so we were really trying to get our feet under us. And um, I think at the same time, I, I lacked a lot of skills and I lacked a lot of understanding. And um, and so it was, it was a process for us to find our groove and find the ways in which we each bring value. Um, and to be quite honest, to manage our stress and our emotions to the point where we don't spill over onto the other. Um, and we all know this business can be extremely high stress. And so, um, the biggest, I think, obstacle for us has been understanding how can we get through our day um, and better equip ourselves to um, withstand what this business throws at us and the stresses of um, being business owners without letting it spill out into our personal relationship. That was the most important thing to us is we'd both rather walk away from this business than to lose our friendship and our, and our family um, dynamic. And so that's always been at the forefront. And that's why we put a lot of work into Um, And when I say work, I mean, literally going to therapy to like figure out how we can do this better. Um, And I think we're both really proud of where we are now because of that work. What do you, what's the continued work that you guys do in order to make sure that you don't fall back there? I mean, we, I think we learned skills in the time of the therapy and the time before that of we can now sense, we can get a sense in ourselves. We can get a sense in each other if we are falling into old patterns Hmm. and we're, we can recognize them sooner than we used to and address them sooner than we used to and get to resolution, um, exponentially faster than we have before. So that's what I mean by those skills is things don't erupt the way that they used to, because we now understand ourselves and each other better. Well, and we, and I think us sorting out who does what, how we do it, understanding that we're equally important yeah regardless of what it looks like um like because i can say i'm doing this this and this what's brenna doing right yeah and i know she can go i'm doing this this and this why is she asking me all those questions which are usually passwords for anyone who knows us well <laughs> they will find that <laughs> password to this. yeah um but but the truth is i i have always every business i've had has been based on relationships and based on referrals. And we came into a model with where we started that would very much push. That's great. You can do sphere stuff, but you should be cold calling. Yeah. And, and Brenna took the philosophy of I'm going to follow that mode 
because that's something that's tangible. She's an athlete. She likes being coached. She likes being told, if you do this, you're going to get that. Yep. And she did it. I don't like getting cold calls. So to the core of my being, I don't like making cold calls. You've also built several businesses off of being a connector. So why would you sit in cold call when you can go out and make relationships? So it took longer than it needed to take to get to where we are. But I think the biggest reason that held us back was our own relationship and getting that. Once we got that sorted out, it has been yeah. everything it, taken off. It's just to, to, to watch it. It just has been, once it clicked, it clicked. And it clicked in a really, really solid way. And as we're talking about the different styles of real estate, I guess that I want to lead into you guys and your networking that you guys go through because you guys, I, I, I have never seen two people better connected. Like just to be clear is that I'm meant to be the connected one being the, you know, the person running Harcourts and all of that type of stuff. I come to you guys for my connections. I'm like, I need this. Can you get me somebody? So so I think that, you know, your connections and the volume of business that you guys get, and it's not referrals from um, friends and family. Like, yes, that comes and like just relationships you've got, it, like just from your your social sphere. It honestly is one business professional, an attorney that's giving you a lead, a commercial agent that gives you a lead. Like like it's it's business to business referral. And I think that that really speaks to how you guys are networking. Can you, do you have an approach? Do you have a philosophy? Do you have some type of, if someone's like out there going, I'm a really good people person or I'm a connector, could you give them a bit of a lay of what you guys do and the group and the groups you mingle in and how you look for that? It's a, it's a long play. And this is something I had to kind of relearn because I was so focused on quantifying my activities in any given day. But if you approach creating relationships and networking with the idea of how can I serve this person, mm. how can I help this person's business understand what they do, understand how to refer to them, if that is what you step into every conversation with, in time, you will eventually see business return. Um, but if you're approaching networking, like what can you give me? What do you have for me? It's never going to get you anywhere. Um, so that would be, I think, the single most important thing for me as a people person who can make people feel um, embraced and safe and warm. I am just putting all of my effort into learning about you um, so that there is that likability. And in time, they will then think of us um, when they have a need. Kathy, how, do you, how, did you, how did you build your success? Was it because you'd had built success out of it previously that you've seen it as such a success now? Well, you know, I was I was joining networking groups when I was 20 years old here in Orange County where there were spiral binders and you showed up at somebody's house long before the internet, again, dating myself. And so I've always believed in that. I've always, and when I was in the mortgage business, the only reason my business died was because my only referrals were, if you called me to do a mortgage for your house or your daughter needed a mortgage for her house was never business to business. Right. It was it was consumer to me. Right. And when the mortgage crisis happened, I got slaughtered overnight. And the reason I got slaughtered was I didn't have the business referrals, which continue throughout time. Those don't change. People still die. People still get divorced. Things happen that force people to sell homes. But if you're not connected to those people, you don't you don't get those opportunities. Right. Especially not in off markets. And so so my whole philosophy has always been 
how do I serve? We make a point of sometimes to our detriment, honestly, providing sources for anything, anyone of our clients needs. We are that resource and we will go out of our way. We will take time. We will send emails to find somebody that is the right resource for them because we want to be the person they call for everything. Absolutely. And as a result of that, we get constant acknowledgement of those and people feel obligated. If I refer something to, to someone, they feel obligated. The next time they hear somebody who has a housing transaction, it, it, it doesn't oh, really- Oh, I want to get Kathy something. Yeah. It, they, they, there's an obligation that goes along with that. You know, the Starbucks card is a great obligation. It's not the same yep. as- I got somebody, a divorce client, and they made $100,000 off of them. It's just not the same. Or I introduced my family to an incredible divorce attorney when they really freaking needed it. There's that emotion. It's, I think it creates a sense of obligation that you can't get any other way. Do you, wait? do you, like, here's, here's a really good question that I, I want to ask because this is more for me than it is for the audience. So do you yeah. wait to give a referral until someone asks or do you hear someone's situation and then you go, hey, I've got some people you need to talk to? Yeah, well, to you the point to of, of kind of being a nudge <laughs> sometimes, I will go, oh, my God, you, I'm telling you, you need to talk to so-and-so. Yep. And I, and it's that quick and it's pure of heart. It's not because I'm expecting anything back. That's the biggest piece is networking has to be pure hearted. If you are only thinking, if I get this person a referral, they're going to give me one Mm. that comes across. It's clear. And, and we don't ever take any compensation for referrals. A lot of people do. We don't. And we don't because we want to know that it's absolutely pure of heart, that it is the right person for them. And we may, I mean, we know five divorce attorneys and we refer different people to the right attorney based on their personality and their situation. And we take the time to do that. So it, it is truly about what's in their best interest, but we will be pretty assertive. Um, you know, I, we were with a client yesterday and she was telling us that her back was in really bad shape and I don't know her well. And I eventually said, I don't know if you'd be open to this, but we go to this great gal. Brenda's had a lot of back problems over the years. She's provided us great help. If you'd like the contact, let me know. That's my softest (laughs) referral, honestly. (laughs) I'm usually a lot more aggressive about it. But she did. She said, I'd love to have that woman's name. This woman's in a lot of pain. And so people are more responsive when they're in pain of one fashion or another, whether that be that, you know, they've just been served with divorce papers, whatever it is. They are much more responsive in those situations, but we have an entire list of service providers that we are capable of, of offering um, so that if someone needs somebody, we don't put the names on the list. We say, oh, you need that. Just call us and we've got, we'll have someone for you. Yeah, great. No, that, it's a, it's an important, I think it's an important step that is really missed in our industry at this point. Everyone's out there looking for the very quick wins, certainly in a marketplace like we're in at the moment where inventory is tight. They're very much looking for the quick wins. But I, I the other part that you guys have made a really big push into recently, um, and I know, Brenna, you're spearheading this, is the social media element of your business. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's something that I, from a standpoint of looking on, I'm very proud of to see how you guys are doing it because of how great it does look um, and and all of that stuff. But you know, to the people out there, Kathy and I, and I want to, I want to maybe lump you into this that prior to Brenna doing the social media, because I'm in the same category that if I didn't have somebody doing it for me, 
I just would it's just I don't have the time to do it. I just don't see the value in it. But then when you start doing it, you start to see the exposure and the value that it can bring to your business. And 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 you're like, well, why didn't I do it sooner? Brenna, how have you started this journey? How did you realize that you wanted to do it? Like, just let, take us through the social media journey for the both of you. So uh, John and Shannon Crom, who uh, are part of our Harcourts family, started doing incredibly well off of creating a YouTube channel. And we've always loved them. We got to connect with them um, at our last conference. And, uh, you know, I really started getting into my head. I need to create this YouTube channel. I want to create another stream aside from our referrals that is, you know, an income of leads. And um essentially, to be quite honest with you, the reels was the more approachable version. I said, let me start with Instagram and then I will get to YouTube once I have my feet under me. Um, and what I've <laughs> what I've learned since then was that um, getting my feet under me is like 10 years away, um, but I am going to uh, push on, you know, Instagram as, as hard as I can and um, take the next step when it feels right. And it's turned out that I know a lot of people now who get a significant amount of business from Instagram. Most of their business, if not all, comes from Instagram because they have created followings. So my goals have shifted. Um, I We will get into YouTube. It will happen. But that's kind of the catalyst of, of this push recently. Now, Kathy, how do you feel about the social media push and, and, the, and, and what's happening at this point within the business? Well, we made a decision together that Brenna was going to invest the time. And for anyone who doesn't understand what's involved, because mm. I'll routinely say, well, I said, I told her you just come over there and you just shoot a quick video. She and like throw offers it up. me up. I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is not 10 minutes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, I try not to do that, but it's the same thing about referrals. Sometimes I just can't control yeah, myself, yeah, yeah, she'll go over. but <laughs> what it's massively time consuming. It's, it requires a massive amount of creativity um, things which she's much more inclined toward than I am anyway. I'm numbers. If I'm going to be creative, I really have to completely get out of my head, be completely disconnected from anything. And then I can be a little creative, but it is not, I can't do it in tandem. And she's routinely having to do that. So, um, just this week, we've gotten, um, three calls from old people in our sphere that I had no idea. They're not on any of our lists of, People send them we up, reach out to invite them to our parties, anything else, but they saw it and reached out and said, I see all your stuff on social media. Hey, we need to buy this and we need you to sell this. And it happened. It happens every week now. It's amazing. And, the passive nature of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's. And, 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 and at least this last client is somebody who knows tons of people in the industry, tons of them. And it was, she specifically said, I see what you're doing online. Saw that you're opening an office want you guys to come do this. And that was just one particular one. So I'm all behind it. The The biggest challenge is we need the right environment. We need more of the right equipment. There are some pieces like that, that we've, we've put off doing. Um, but those are kind of the next step to really support her in that because it is, it is really important and she's really good at it. Yeah, yeah you know, I she- totally agree. But you know, I, and I love all, I love every now and then you drag Kathy into it, Brenna, with a video. They're Once my, in a while, I'm like, get, get her they're, they're my favorite. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny because that's kind of what people comment. And I'm getting slowly getting a little more comfortable. And once we have the right gear and we have the right environment, I'll do better. But even for yeah. photos, I mean, just 
stab me with something dull and I would prefer <laughs> that doing any of this stuff. That's um, good. So That's she really I'm does have for. to work. So Brennan, tell uh, just uh, again, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but somebody out there that's really struggling to get into the rhythm of this and it is a rhythm. There's no question. It's a rhythm. Yeah. Where do they start? What are the first things they need to do and how do they let go of perfectionism? That is the biggest piece is just um, it's better to post something that's not perfect than to not post at all. Um, get, put your ego, just check it at the door. You're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to feel like you look stupid. You just need to push through it because eventually you won't anymore. Um, I would say get the most basic tools or hire someone, whatever you have the means to do to just create one per week, just start there. Um, and then in time you will start to get facile and you'll start to understand what ways you can, um, put out content with the least amount of time spent and you'll start to just get an understanding. And now I've got content every two weeks, I've got it done as opposed to it used to be the day of, I'd be trying to throw it together. Um, and in time, hopefully every month I will have it done for the future month. It just, it's a slow burn and you just have to take it one step at a time. But the first step is posting the first video, which ours was horrific. So <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and look at that. If you didn't, no, I honestly it. think I deleted it. It was not bad. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't because it's funny though. Some of the stuff that you put up that just is completely off the cuff. That's different to the normal stuff that you do gets so much. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I'm sure that, you know, the one where you drag Kathy into it, you know, that one's probably the most liked and you're going back and you're sort of looking at it at night going, that took me three seconds. And these other ones, oh my God, that yes. took me all this time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing is like, pay attention I mean, I was just complaining about this the other day. I'm like, I this one got a lot of attention. I don't know if it was the time of day I posted it. It was the the content, if it was engaging or if it was just that it was a, a cute girl on the... I have no idea what is getting people. Yeah. So just do it and do what you feel comfortable with. And then in time, you will hopefully understand um, but, but, a little better what to do. But pay attention to the metrics. Yeah. Because she did something... What, There's just so many factors. You right. can look at the analytics. It's just... It's almost, I overthink everything and I'm, you know, I'm but trying you, to. You did something with meta or something and that. That messed up my views. Yeah. Pay attention to, you know, what kind of response each video gets, but you can't think too deep into it. At least not unless you're a professional because there's a million things it could be. Her dog yeah. videos do very well. I'm sure, I bet you they do. That's good. It's good. Yeah. But it's also, I think that you guys have made an active effort as well that a lot of people don't. They just try and gather as many followers as possible. You make sure that the people that you know are on there so that you're constantly reminding them. But yeah. I, I want to I move through to the next part of your journey, guys, that you, that, that uh, I'm lucky enough to be a part of, um, is that uh, is that you guys have both decided to open up a real estate office. And, uh, and, uh, and I want you to, I want you to talk us through the journey that it's got, that it's, that it's been to get you to here and what, why you've made that decision. Well, we, we love Harcourts and we wanted a particular culture to work in and we've had trouble finding that. Mm -hmm. Um, and we decided that being prudent business owners, we should go interview other brokerages. And we did, what was it three or four in total? Yep. And each time we came back and just went, it's Harcourts. And the auction was certainly a piece, but honestly, Ben, you, Callista, Josh, the whole team were the one of the core reasons that we knew it had to be Harcourts. Um, 
the the auction is a complete differentiator and and that will always be a key piece for us but even if we set that aside who you all are as people how you have treated us the support you have given us we knew this is where we wanted to build our future and um brenna said the other day um i'm never going anywhere as long as as don't have me (laughs) yeah well and as long as we're in real estate so yeah um i think she thinks that's going to be way past the time that i'm around but we all know i did that was not said <laughs> we all know i'm gonna outlive what anybody else thinks i'm gonna outlive well yeah. it's it's funny how like attracts like though guys is that if you think about the way that you've built your business and you've built it based on the referral nature but the people that you guys are in the sense that you're just there and you honestly are trying to serve it's the same type of thing that we're trying to do on a on a on, on the on the same scale if anything else and you know i think that I think that it's it's a it's it's amazing compliment to have people like you within the business. But you know, the the other amazing compliment that I see along the way is that people that are able to build. So Brenna, you're a great example of that of somebody that's come in raw to real estate. Whilst yes, Kathy's been experienced, is to be able to build a business alongside your mum as well using the auction platform. And now you are a business owner, you know, and you guys have I don't. I can't remember the last time you weren't on our top twenty list. You know, like you're a business owner, but you guys are a top performer within the network. And you know, one of our you know mission statements is is you know build alongside our people. And I think that there's there's an element of this though that I think that you know I, I think that I want people to hear is your thought process to go from agent to going to business owner. There's a lot more responsibility and people that are in your position sometimes don't want the minutia that comes with that. How have you guys decided to go from top agent to business owner? What, what's made you make that decision? Well, it didn't make any sense not to make the decision. I've been, I've been a broker since 08, 06. And I was just as happy working under somebody else's license. But when the numbers got to the point where they didn't make any sense anymore and what we were getting for that. So we were leasing our own office here locally in Newport. Um, we weren't really, let me just say it wasn't an ideal situation for us. Um, and we just looked at the numbers with what we paid to be in the other brokerage and just decided the numbers just didn't make any sense for the support we were getting hmm. and for what the experience was. So I think this was always, the idea, um, I think we, I think we pride ourselves on being some of the people that in an office environment people come to, whether it's on a personal level or it's for business. I mean, how many times she's been the person that people call um, when they need a question answered or when they don't know what to do about X, Y, or Z. Um, I think that's always been who we are. I've always played on teams. I've always worked in those types of environments. And so I think um, seeing cultures like what the Garner girls have created Mm. um, and knowing that they do that with you guys behind them, it just became clear to us, like, this is what we want. That's the goal. Um, And I don't think there was ever any question that we wanted to do that. um, Even when we were agents trying to build our business. She can say that I've been terrified of the paperwork. I've been terrified of dealing, dealing with the DRE and all those pieces. And they have been the only pieces I have enjoyed, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, not they're not enjoy. They're not enjoy. They're not enjoyable pieces oh of doing God. it all. Um, and they're distracting from running our business, yeah. which is still our it's primary perfect, focus. Perfect intro into running an office. But. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but you know, we've looked at there are some alternatives out there. There are people we can bring in to do compliance for us. There are other things. But while it's just the two of us, um, we're very excited 
um, it feels like enormous freedom to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, when we actually signed the franchise agreement, that was what we said. It was like, oh my gosh, we're actually doing this. It's actually happening. And we're excited. And, you know, when we have people on the team, Brenna will be a great, great tool to encourage and support. And she likes doing that. She she still gets invited back by all of her old, old coaches to co-coach with them <laughs> because that's who she is. So, um well, I think. Well, I think that I think that from my perspective, guys, is that for those that are listening in and understanding the journey that you both have been on, is the fact that this is really just it's another beginning in that journey, I guess. But you know, the other part about this as well that I don't think everybody understands. I get to understand people's stories better than most, and you know. Brenna, whilst you've been along the journey from the Harcourt's perspective from the very beginning, is that Kathy, you've had a very, you know, a, a journey that you know there's been a great deal of, I, I want to say, grit that is needed to get through, and and tenacity. And I think that you know one of the things that we're proud of is having people like you guys uh, in in our business. There's no question, you know, you guys are just a perfect model of that. But I think that the other part is that looking in the mirror, you both should be very proud of what you've achieved full stop, both on the last couple of years, but then also where everything is going and the momentum that you move into and the way that you conduct yourself, that'll never change. Regardless of market conditions, regardless of anything is that there's this one, you guys will never feel this way, but you can walk around with a level of whether it's arrogance, whether it's pride, whether it's whatever you want to call it. Okay. Knowing that the way that you both conduct yourself is always going to be something that is going to lead to business in the future or you guys doing what you want to do. Because that's something that I think a lot of people need to take away from this podcast is the fact that, that if you, and, and I think that you said it, I'm going to keep going back to it, is that if you have a business that is there to serve, I think that it will just continue that momentum like you guys have. Yeah, we, we believe that to the core of our being. We do things all the time that are not maybe the best business decision per se or the most profitable, yeah. but we do the right thing. People, and people and we really do care about, um, we go out of our way to care, period, regardless of what it's about, whether it's about somebody we didn't have any relationship with in a transaction, we just really try to make sure the right thing happens. And, um, you know, I don't ever have any trouble sleeping at night knowing that that's really, we take a lot of pride in that. And I do believe that things come back to you when you comport yourself that way. What does the future look like? For the both of you, what do we what what do we hope? What are we what are we looking for? I know it's a very philosophical question, and it's a shit question to ask. Actually, I, if someone asked me that, I'd be like, I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm excited to go back. I, you know, I was calling her the morning that Josh just sent us the Dropbox for our logos um, for our new office, and um, I was like. I was a mess, you know, to go from, <laughs> to, to go from really bottom of the barrels struggling, um, for a while there. And to see that those words that have been our corporation from the beginning, um, in our office name and our logo in the Harcourts, um, you know, font and, and, and the, and the colors, it was pretty huge. And so having that kind of moment, um, helped me to recognize all that, is possible. Um, in the time that we've been with you guys in the grand scheme is, it's not that big. Um, and with your support and with the community, um, being able to get to this point is pretty magnificent in my mind. Um, and I do have a lot of pride in that. And so to me, the future just looks like 
this one eventually not having to work all the time. Don't know if she's going to be. Um, oh, I said this to Brenda the other day, Kathy. I'm like, oh, well, that's never going to fucking happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the idea of, you know, more offices, the more offices, probably. I mean, I, I, I know you're going to think this is crazy, but I'm getting my license in Florida. Great. Because I've got a massive contact down there who keeps meeting billionaires that need to buy real estate. So kind of seems like a perfect world. So I think just, just where we want to be is planting more offices as time goes on um, and expanding that network with you guys. Yeah. That's, that's my goal. It's amazing. It's an amazing story, guys. And I, again, I would say it again, and everyone's probably for the last 10 minutes going like, all right, but wrap, it, wrap it up, you guys. It's an emotional quest here. What's going on? You keep patting each other on the back. But it, I, I truly, truly believe it is that you got, I'm very, very proud to be associated with you rather than even in business. That's just the, another overall privilege. And Calista and I are thrilled uh, to have you guys in our life. But again, the, the part of this that really makes it awesome is what we've been through in properties and and different things and hopefully people can get a little bit out of that journey today but reality is is that i enjoyed today this is a great episode i really liked it thank you so much for joining me thank you ben we appreciate it we feel you guys are our family and we're very grateful so thank you for all the opportunities and for all the support and excited for what's to come absolutely ditto ditto So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed, or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us, and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow, or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.